Hi everyone, Chris here. This is Silhouette Zero Season 3 Prologue Episode 1. This prologue episode is a written, scripted story that was written and performed by me by myself. The point of the prologue is to tie in the events of Season 3 closer to the events of Season 1 and 2. It gives you background context. Now, Matt likes to do things a certain way. More specifically, he doesn't want to know anything that's going on about the story before he experiences it in character. So he's not going to listen to this prologue. Please, please, please do me a major favor and don't talk to him about it. Don't tweet at him. Don't send emails. Just you can talk to me uh, or the show Twitter, but not to him because he's not going to listen to it until after season three is done taping. So because of that, I also want to give you a choice. This week and the next episode are both prologue that you don't necessarily need to listen to. If you want to try to experience the story the way Matt does and figure out the surprises as they come across to him, then go ahead and skip this episode and the next one and then come back, listen later and see how I tied it all together. If not, enjoy the episode. Remember, don't tell Matt. Two years before the events of Silhouette Zero, Season 1. A Labna-class Imperial shuttle appears from hyperspace in a desolate corner of space. In view, there is only a white dwarf a dying shell of a star, with a single space station in orbit. Two Gozanti-class cruisers perform a lonely perimeter check with solemn TIE fighter escorts. There is nothing out here. The shuttle transmits its codes and lands without fanfare. The ramp lowers, the coolant vents in a dramatic cloud, and two figures descend. One is less than a meter tall, taking short, quick steps. The other is average height, but has a hulking mass that makes his footsteps reverberate in the deck plates. Behind the two is a simple labor droid pushing a container on a repulsor cart. No attendants or junior officers come to greet them. A few stormtroopers stand at their stations and avoid making eye contact. The two figures ride a turbo lift, then step onto a secure floor. The floor has a blast door that looks strong enough to withstand a proton torpedo blast. There is a single red sign warning that only authorized personnel are allowed to cross the yellow line marked out on the deck. They cross the yellow line. There are two stormtroopers standing guard, both holding heavy blaster rifles. One stormtrooper approaches the pair. Please state your authorization to visit the prisoner. Open the door, you mindless grunt, or you will be executed where you stand. Uh, sir, you cannot visit the prisoner until... Are you going to open the blast door, or am I going to have to do it myself? Just one moment, sir. I'll open the blast door. The blast door opens, revealing a small chamber. The two and their droid step inside. The first blast door closes, and the security scan begins. Feel big and strong now, Vokar? 
I can't abide these humans, Wink. Their sense of superiority trickles all the way down to their most menial soldiers. If we were human inquisitors, they would have groveled before us and offered refreshments. Ah, yes, I see your point. We have flown into a secure, top-secret research facility without a single challenge to our credentials. One stormtrooper gets it into his mind that he wants to take his job seriously, so he questions everyone who comes in just to make sure we aren't really clever rebel spies. Out here, where every other Imperial officer has given up vigilance, one man dares to do a good job. And how is he rewarded? Execution. Great job, Vokar. You've made the Empire stronger today. <sighs> I care not for the Empire, or for the human that claims to be our master. Be careful. Your pride and anger betray you. Don't let your passion for our goal destroy you before we accomplish it. The second blast door opens. Wink and Vokar step into a complex laboratory. There is a huge main room filled with dozens of individual workstations. Each station has organic matter suspended in complex pieces of technology. Some of them are living specimens trapped in containment, while others are organs and tissue samples. Each station is operated by thin, insectoid beings just under two meters tall. They move around with calm precision, never speaking a word or making a sound. They part out of the way of Wink and Vokar and their droid. The three approach the quarantine section of the lab. Transparent steel walls allow them to see inside, where a small blackbird drawl stands at a control station. On an elevated platform in front of the drawl is another containment unit, where another insect-like humanoid stands. This is Molaras transplantation test number 33. We will begin test in three, two, one. Wink and Vokar are startled at what they see. The insectoid shudders, then vanishes from sight for a moment. Both instinctively reach out with the Force and can feel the presence of the being and the influence of the Force that is hiding them from their natural vision. But before either Wink or Vokar can act, the insectoid person reappears. It then convulses and falls to the ground. Several monitors on the control panel flatline. Ah, excellent results! That was a whole second this time. The transplant process is becoming more stable, though I am starting to believe that perhaps the verpine are incapable of sustaining two transplants. Additional testing of this hypothesis is required. I'll have to request more verpine be brought in. And recording. Oh, if it isn't my favorite inquisitor! And a guest! This is Vokar. We work together often, and his beliefs are in line with ours. Well, I do hope so, Wink. The drawl exits his laboratory. The other insectoid people clean up the body of the dead one in silence. The drawl removes a pair of laboratory gloves and sets them into his lab coat pockets. My name is Dr. Damerill. I'm a researcher. You may call me Damerill. I'm not fond of titles when we are with friends. And we are with friends here, Vokar. Imperial Research Protocol states that there can be no recording or eavesdropping devices in my laboratory. 
they must follow that protocol because we check for listening devices every day and we never find any. I don't understand what you're talking about. Human supremacy, Vokar. You and I both hate it. The doctor and I have been working on a way to remove it entirely from the galaxy. Aren't you just telling me to be careful? We're speaking treason out here in the open with all of these beings around us. Hmm, uh, the Verpine? Uh, they can't hear you. They're not even really sentient anymore. Explain. The Verpine are a remarkable race. Many people believe that they are telepathic, but they actually aren't. Uh, their antennae are built-in radio receivers and transmitters. Uh, that's right, their biology allows them to create their own communication field without any technological aid. As a result, they communicate near instantaneously with all the other members of their species in the local area. Uh, they work in a semi-hive mind, and they come to a rapid democratic consensus and work together for the betterment of their collective. These verpine don't have antenna. Uh, precisely, I removed them, and the part of the brain that uses radio transmission. I replaced it with a modified organ from a Myron. Uh, have you seen one of those nasty creatures? A purple skin, too many tentacles, they're often used as truth detection torture because they can quite literally feel your mind. Well, once I made the correct mutations, I was able to create a transplant that connected them through the force. These verpine communicate through the Force. It's not unlike how you can create a connection with another Inquisitor for silent communication. Except theirs is always open, always on. Precisely! Now instead of radio waves, they are unified together in the Force. Of course, uh, what I didn't realize until after is that the portion of their brain that controls free will is attached to the antennae, so they're little more than worker drones now. I see. So you make force monsters. Oh no, I'm not interested in creating stable beings. I only want to understand how the force interacts with biology. Uh, to do that, you have to take a few things apart and put them back together again. Uh, like the treats that you brought me here today, let's see them. Wink walks to the side panel of the container and unlocks it. The lid opens to reveal a small tree with several lizards attached to its branches. Ah, the crown jewel of false creatures. And was it much trouble to retrieve? Tremendous. I had to kill many beasts that day. Yes, well, I did warn Wink about the Vonskers. They use the force to hunt these little creatures, and so you come across to them like dinner. Dameril, darling, I believe my friend is getting impatient. Let's fill him in on the plan, and then you can get back to your research. Ah, yes, thank you, Wink. I do tend to get distracted. Allow me to ask you a question, Vokar. Why is humanity so strong and influential? Numbers and firepower. Ah, yes, very good. It also helps that the Emperor is a Sith Lord, capable of wielding great power over common organics, and that the only power to keep them in check, the Jedi, are completely destroyed. And... What if the Emperor lost that advantage? I do not follow. Damriel's research is a direct order from the Emperor himself. His objective is to find a way to destroy the Force sensitivity in any living being. The Emperor wants to be able to erase any future Jedi or Sith that might challenge him. I see. 
I'm sure he'll remove our power, too, once he's done with the Inquisitors. So your plan is to turn that weapon against him. That was the original plan, but then Damarill came up with a better one. When people talk about the Jedi, they tell the tales of their amazing abilities. They are fearsome fighters, they can move objects with their minds, they can read your thoughts and predict the future. But as Wink has explained to me, there are those force sensitives who have a varying power and control over those abilities. There are even some who have unique and rare abilities, such as Wink's ability to gaze across the galaxy. In force-sensitive animals, the specialization is even more pronounced. Avonskius hunt, Dowsin and Malras hide, and these little Islamiri can cancel the force altogether. Might I ask what your special gift is? I kill. I'm good at it, and I enjoy it. Ah, yes, well, we all need one of those on the team. Get on with a plan, Damarill. Uh, yes, of, of course. Specialization is critical for a species to survive. So instead of removing force abilities, what if we granted them? You want to give someone the force. It's not impossible. Remember the theories about midi-chlorians? That is impossible. Is it? You just saw a verpine disappear for a second, did you not? I assure you, my research is sound. I have made astounding progress over the last ten years, and I believe I can achieve this goal within the next twenty. One day, we will be able to grant force powers to every single being in the galaxy, each one different and unique to their species. And once that has been accomplished, humanity will no longer have an advantage. Humanity will have to bow to us. I like your plan, Dr. Tamarill. We, Gand, have been treated like outsiders for the entire history of the galaxy. We are mocked, ignored, and dismissed at every turn. It has long been my dream to lead my people into a better future. Consider me part of the team. Whatever you need, I will do my best to provide. Oh, excellent! I should not have doubted you, Wink. You are an excellent judge of character. I thought you would like him, Doctor. Now, I'm glad we were able to have this conversation and deliver you your lizards, but we have to be going. We have a pressing assignment, and it just can't wait any longer. No, what would that be? Your compatriots have fled. All of the Drawl Science Corps is on the lam. Oh, how quaint of them to grow a conscience now that their precious Death Star has been destroyed. Well, I imagine that you'll have them in hand soon enough. Do you have any information on where they might be? No, I'm afraid they didn't like me very much. Especially Gage, always going on about the atrocities I was committing. But I wouldn't underestimate them. They might have a poor vision of the future, but they are quite intelligent in their respective fields. Be on your guard. Thank you for your help, Doctor. We'll be in touch soon. On their way out, Wink orders the droid to be destroyed. Wink and Vokar return to the shuttle. Neither speaks a word until they are safely in hyperspace. Do you want to explain why you introduced me to a madman? You hate human supremacy. He has a way of fixing it. His methods are severe, I agree. But how else are we supposed to undo 10,000 years of imbalance? 
I dream of a Gan army. It'll never be enough. Not without gaining a significant advantage over the humans and the Empire. The Empire might have its flaws, but it is huge. Even without clones, they have enough individual soldiers to throw at Gan for years without blinking an eye. His dreams are just as impossible as mine. Granting someone the Force, it could never happen. The Verpine was only invisible for a second, and then it died. Do you ever think about longevity, Fokar? No. We are Inquisitors. We will likely die on an assignment within the next few years, or by execution once the Emperor has no need for us. I've always thought about it. We Chadrafan don't live as long as most other organics, you know? We get 40 years if we're lucky. I'm only 12, and if you're right, I'll be dead by 14. Damriel said that it has taken him 10 years to get to this point, and it'll take him another 20 to achieve his goals. Even if I live that long, I'll be 32. I'll be an old woman. I see. I didn't know that about Chadrafan. I introduced you because if we survive these next few years, you're going to outlive me. I might never see a fair and equal galaxy, but you might. And if I have children and grandchildren, they might too. But only if Damrel is protected. You have to promise me, Vokar, that you'll do that. No matter what happens to me, or the Empire, or the Sith, Promise me that Damaril will finish his work. Very well. I give you my work. Thank you. Now, let's pull up the first file. Dr. Reyna. If you enjoyed this, let me know. But you know, just me. On Twitter, at SilZeroChris, S-I-L-Z-E-R-O. Send us an email, silzeropodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash silzero. Stay tuned until next time, where you'll hear Prologue, Episode 2.